Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a broadcast from the Global Authority in Mixed Martial Arts. The Shoe Dog Radio Network. Once again, Jordan Brin Show, your boy, Fade, from Philly, with my man Otis Smith. Laying down the tracks, I'm the champ, your amateur like C-Class Shoe Dog. Welcome to the Jordan Breen Show, the MMA radio show here on the Sherdog Radio Network, letting you know that on this day in 1955, Jonas Salk's polio vaccine was declared safe for the public, putting an end to a horrific global medical epidemic. At the same time, Tim Sylvia was born in 1976, so that's 21 years later. What gives, Jonas Salk? (laughs) Happy Wednesday or whatever day you're listening on podcast. I'm Jordan Breen, along with me behind the decks, laughing at my... Terrible, terrible, trite, well, well-trodden mixed martial arts polio legs joke. Behind the decks, it's Mr. TJ DeSantis, the left polio leg to my right polio leg here on the SRN. TJ, I feel bad every time I make this joke because I mean, which, I mean, dude, you're you're an American. You, one of your greatest presidents, was literally polio crippled in in a wheelchair. FDR and his New Deal and, and the whole jazz is not necessarily something you should make fun of. There are like legitimately people listening to this inevitably who probably had like a, a parent or a grandparent that was afflicted by polio. That said, Monty Cox, probably the closest person to Tim Sylvia that he's ever had in his professional career, at least. He calls him polio legs, so it's good for the whole family, right? I mean, I guess. It's one of those situations where, like, for example, I think we make fun of each other a lot on the Sherdog Radio Network. We have for a long time. But when a listener comes up and says something insulting to me or insulting to, like, say, Jeff in the past, it's like, wait, who, who the F are you, dude? 
Like, yeah, I know I mean, you that, listen, but come on, man. I I mean, I, I'm not sure like what the the, the key to uh, key to the room is, but uh, you know, if if Tim Sylvia ever confronted me and started beating my ass as a six foot eight, how much do you think Tim weighs now? Three thirty, three forty? Oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, six foot eight, three hundred thirty, three hundred forty pound ex USC heavyweight champion starts beating my ass. I would just be yelling, "I've heard Monty tell it in person." It's true. Monty told it to my face. Make it stop. Oh, I've seen Monty say it in front of Tim, so <laughs> you know, it, it is what I, it is. It doesn't make it right, I, but no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make it right, but uh, Monty Cox does. As long as as long as you got the Monty Cox pass, it's okay. And how could you ever refuse Monty Cox? Those baby blues with those long eyelashes. Hashtag fight Iowa. Other than our esteemed photographer and videographer, Dave Mandel, is there a man with a finer set of lashes in mixed martial arts than one Monty Cox, TJ? Oh, man. Um, Probably. I know people are listening. It's like, what the hell are you talking about right now? But honestly, would you at least agree with me that Monty Cox's eyelashes are disconcertingly long and beautiful? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, for sure. Uh, My son has beautiful eyelashes, too, and I'm just like, I don't know how that happened but because he didn't get them from me he didn't get them from my wife but eyelashes you know the problem with eyelashes though if you have long flowing beautiful eyelashes they they go in your eyeball oh yeah you better have visine on uh, uh, you at all times I, I think i have longer than average eyelashes i'm not dave mandel level let alone monty cox level but uh I am hairier than your average dude i feel like my <laughs> this is like veering into really bizarre conversation but hey well, I'm going to take it down yes. another random eyelash uh, tangent after you're oh, done nice. here in a second. So okay, continue. Perfect. Um, I feel like I have more um, eye uh, eye rim follicles than your average person. I feel like I, I literally have more eyelashes. Wow. Not that they're longer, but I feel like I have more of them. Right. Um, sometimes if I shower or whatever, the, the, the curl of my eyelash, I will literally have my eyelashes curl into a position where on the inner rim – they literally curl in such a fashion that they go directly into my eyes. So, like, it's, it's not even, like, there'll be times I think, oh, I have an eyelash in my eye. And then I realize literally the the eyelashes at the, the inner rims towards the bridge of my nose, they've curled in such a fashion that one of them is just directly tickling my eyeball. And there's virtually yeah. nothing I can do about it. I've literally, I've literally ripped out eyelashes oh my God. to prevent this from happening. That's the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you have a you have an eyelash segue, TJ. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, so I have a cleft eyelid. I don't know if you're aware of this. What is, what is a cleft eyelid even? Like your eyelid just like folds in half? I've never noticed anything wrong with your yeah, eyes. You don't so have my, like ptosis or anything like that. My like, my know, like, left tilting. my left eyelid uh, isn't complete. No one really <laughs> no one really no one really <laughs> notices, but it's 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 not all the way there, uh, which means that I don't have as many eyelashes on that eye as I should. It's not super noticeable, but yeah. No, it's not noticeable at all. I've never noticed anything wrong with your eyes. I'm, I'm tempted to take a photo and send it to you, but that would be an odd photo, and then maybe it would end up on uh, Twitter, and I don't want that. I uh, I made the mistake of just Googling Tosis, and obviously if you Google it, you just get lots of pictures of uh, Paris Hilton, Tom York, and uh, Forrest Whitaker. But but the actual medical photos are, man, I I pity everyone with the drooping eyelid or anything wrong with your eye. Because the thing is, you can have something wrong with your eye that's not even uh, like 
cosmetically significant or or whatever, but people still stare. Oh yeah, you know, I, you know, I mean, like, you, you know, you know the other stuff with my eyes, right? Like I can't move my eyes left or right. Yeah, I, I know, I know. We've we've had this discussion that you can't you can't uh, look from side to side for whatever reason. Yeah, I it's a syndrome. I can't remember what it's called. I just went to the eye doctor, which is why I have glasses now. Um, and uh, I thought I thought it's because you were looking to expand expand your play by play roles. You just thought glasses would be a, a happening accessory. I think it it is a happening accessory, and it also <laughs> actually allows me to see things a lot easier. I had no idea how blind I was. Um, yeah, it's, it's like that famous Brian Regan joke. You ever go to the eye doctor and then you do the eye test and you just realize, wow, I could have been seeing things. Yeah, well, it happened at the last Invicta because the last Invicta, uh, I had glasses for the first time. And I remember thinking uh, for basically the entire – okay, I hate to say this, but like you've worked Tachi. You know the equipment that we have at Tachi. Uh, blurry monitors at Tachi, that's the thing. That's a thing that I've been used to the entire time. And I got to Invicta, and I was like, man, blurry monitors here. There's blurry monitors everywhere. I got to uh, Invicta last time with these spectacles on. I was like, man, they got new monitors. And I'm like, no, my eyeballs actually work. So I always thought that the monitors were blurry. Luca Fury made the best joke of all. Uh, I said, look, I got glasses. Great. And he said, this explains your scorecards for the last several years. <laughs> That's actually that's actually a swish for uh, Luca Fury there. That's a that's a that's a three pointer from downtown. That's an NBA Jam three. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Imagine imagine you'd like not got your prescription updated for years, but then you got your prescription updated at the same time that you bought an HD television. Oh man, just <laughs> sensory overload. Eight four four seven four three seven three six four is the phone number. As always, that's eight four four sure dog. Eight four four seven four three seven three six four. You can email me jbreen at suredog.com or get me on Twitter at Jordan Breen J O R D A N B R E E N. Last thing I'll say on the ophthalmological tip. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's something about eyes. I mean, the eyes have it, man. Like whether it's taxidermy, like when taxidermy goes wrong, it's almost always because of the positioning and, and setting of the eyes and whatever animal you've had stuffed. The, if there's anything wrong, like case in point, um, for years watching him fight on television and like, I thought Jonathan Goulet had a lazy eye. I just thought he had an incredibly lazy eye. And then I met him for the first time when he fought Corey McDonald in Halifax a fight that Corey McDonald actually could have won, but he, speaking of eyes, he was warming up backstage shadow boxing. His sweater string flew up and hit him directly in the eyeball, like while he was warming up. Ugh. So he, he, he went out against John Goulet and like couldn't see out of one eye. Like literally he was shadow boxing and his sweater string flew up. Weird how this, like, really, there's there's more eye-related content in this than I imagine. But no, the first time I met Goulet, I seriously thought he had a lazy eye. And then we sat down and we ate with him and his, his coach at the time, Steve Claveau, and I realized he doesn't have a lazy eye, eye at all. He has a dripping iris. Yeah. It's completely different. There's nothing, I would say there's nothing wrong, per se, with his eyes. But, like, they ain't lazy. It's just his, his uh, or not, uh, dripping pupil, I believe. Uh, like, the, the black of his eye, like, it, it. I mean, it's, it, it is what it sounds like. The He has, like, blue eyes, but the black or brown of his pupil, like, drips into the iris. He basically, the iris just has, like, it looks like it just has, like, a giant ink blot on it. He looks like he has a second pupil. Um, Have you ever yeah, I, met, met people with honest-to-goodness cat eyes? 
Um, no, but the first time I met Jens Pulver in person, I forgot that like it was a thing that he had different colored eyes. Oh, and yeah. he looked in my face and went, Hey, I'm Jens. First of all, I wanted to be like, Yeah, I know. I watched you <laughs> Right. <laughs> I watched you win the UFC Lightweight title. Um Little Eagle stores but- again. <laughs> Mike Goldberg might be on that Ryzen stream, by the way. Goldberg getting work. That notwithstanding. Yeah, I remember like he turned and looked right in my face and I kind of like I kind of like jumped back a bit. I forgot that that was a thing. So, I mean, anything about the eyes. But no, I've, I've never met a legit cat eyed person. Either have I. There was just a kid in school that had a cat eye and I was like, man, that's a cat eye. And then like years later, I found out it was a contact. Um, <laughs> it pissed me off. But uh yeah, Dwayne syndrome. That's what I have. So Dwayne syndrome is just you can't look side to side. Yeah, basically can't move your eyes in a certain manner, and uh, you're from what I can't I can't totally tell if I don't have the muscles to do so, or if my eyelids are actually preventing uh, my eyes from moving. Because basically, it's a condition where your eyelids don't move. Like, so you can't really look up or down either. No, I can look up and down, but my eyelids are preventing me from looking side to side, which please don't tell the DMV. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and if we go anywhere, it might be better that you drive. But, um, yeah. Nonetheless. I, I can well, see. my piece of hell, I spell it. I spell it DMV. Anyone who's been there knows precisely what I mean. I lost my driver's license. And I haven't. Oh, I got... thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna keep singing the rest of the song. No, 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 no. I, that's that's a song. DMV I... by Primus. Oh no. Which uh... is which is by the way really just a way. <laughs> DMV by Primus is ostensibly about how much Les Claypool hates the DMV, but really what the song is actually about is just like Les Claypool, like going to the DMV makes him want to get high. Is really. <laughs> well, I think I think I think the DMV makes straight edge people want to get high. Um, <laughs> I. Somehow I threw away my California driver's license on my way back from the last Invicta. And I went online. I was like, okay, I can probably just get this back by submitting some online request form because they got everything on file, right? Mm. Uh, They do have everything on file, but I got to go in and fill out the damn form, meaning I've got to make an appointment, meaning I've got to take time out of my day, meaning I want to get high. So, uh, yeah. Not awesome. So I'm rolling around with my passport right now as my form of ID. Barbecues, tea kettles, gobs of axle grease. There comes a time for every man to sail those seas of cheese. Now life's a bowl of bagel dogs and there are unpleasant trees, cold toilet seats, dentist chairs, and trips to the DMV. Steal a swine. (laughs) Different different song, but uh, will approve. By the way, is there uh, other than... Other than like oi punk bands that are overtly, you know, vegan and sick about animal rights, is there like a more mainstream band that's more covertly about animal rights than Primus? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, and they're even for larger animal rights, like Tommy the Cat. Like, I mean, don't just don't just have a cat, don't just rescue a cat. Have a cat that turns into a man and wants to have sex with other cat ladies. I actually don't think there's a more mainstream rock band that is as cultish and in, in, in niche as Primus either. Yeah, they're they're like a modern Grateful Dead that people don't travel yeah. to see and the like. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, I mean, you can be like, oh, yeah, Jared was a race car driver. Yeah, that's a great one. I remember I remember Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I was oh. there. 
Um, also, um, Les Claypool is about to fight Michael Chandler for the Bellator MMA lightweight title coming up. So shouts to Les Claypool. I found out that the school in Tony Hawk Pro Skater is like here. Like that's a real school <laughs> and it's in Southern California and Dave Mandel knows where it, it is. No, no. Cause you, I mean, it's a school, so obviously there's no like pools and stuff, but like, yeah, that whole entire schoolyard is a real thing. And, uh, you can go look at it if you want. Last thing I'll say before we get to the phones, by the way, 844-743-7364, 844-SHERDOG to phone in. Um, I looked on Twitter right before we started, and someone was like, at uh, MMA, do a tribute to Charlie Murphy, you habitual line stepper. This is what the internet is like now, TJ. I see this and go, someone says, do a tribute to Charlie Murphy, and I just go, oh my, oh my God, Charlie Murphy's dead, isn't he? So I Google Charlie Murphy, and he's dead. R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. Darknesses. Seriously, though, like I knew he had leukemia and whatnot, but and I, I mean, he's 57. I mean, not that someone should die at 57, but it's not as though he was 37. That said, this is what the Internet is now, TJ. I just I, I, I you, you spend some time away from a computer. You log on. And there's just this this rush of panic like someone's dead. Pepsi did another commercial. United beat the shit out of someone else on a flight. There's. <laughs> Like leaving my computer for 12 hours, like I feel, huh. I actually feel scared walking back to my computer and turning on Twitter, or like looking, looking at my, my dashboard. It's never good news. Are you, are you ready for something that might blow your mind? And I'm sorry to just completely dismiss what you just said, but you blew my mind right now. No, I mean, if, if, if you can, if you can completely, uh, discombobulate my mind and blow it into pieces, by all means, please do. I didn't know that Charlie Murphy or anything relating to Rick James, anything uh-huh. like that, had anything to do with habitual line stepper. Like <laughs> habitual line stepper to me, and I did this incredibly unintentionally, um, is a gimmick that we had on the Sure Dog Radio Network because I called Greg Savage Savage a <laughs> habitual line stepper. Well, I mean, that's that's part of what makes that thing that makes those sketches so good is when you go back and watch them, there are like habitual line stepper was obviously a phrase before the, the Rick James. I had no sketches. idea. The only time I've ever heard it is when I said it on these airwaves in reference to Greg Savage. So this is blowing my mind. When I typed in habitual into Google and line stepper came up. Yeah, I was like, I'm I'm so lost right now. I thought this was an SRN uh, gimmick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the line that he makes in the uh, is is he he's he's talking about Rick James. He goes, he's a line stepper, a habitual line stepper. Greg Savage. <laughs> R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. You could. Um, I, I hope I hope in in the great beyond, just everybody everybody is just having their way with your couch, shoes all over it. Charlie Murphy. All right, we'll go up to the phones. It's Rob from North Carolina. Rob, what's good? Jordan, what's happening? Well, I'm bummed out that Charlie Murphy died, and I'm, again, bummed out that, like, this is the nature of the Internet. To me, the Internet, it's, like, it's exciting. You go, like, maybe I'll learn, maybe I'll learn a thing. Maybe I'll watch a funny video. Let me uh, click, and then you, you hear the sound of your modem dialing up. It's, it's 28.8 kilobytes a second. It's 1996. You're excited. You have the fastest modem in the whole world. And that's not what the internet is anymore. You just you walk away from your computer for five hours and come back, and multiple celebrities have died. Someone has said something very wrong on 
Twitter and uh, multiple corporations have done ill-advised uh, PR maneuvers and the world is anarchy. Like I'm, this last week has convinced me more so than any that I can just – you can never leave your computer. If you leave, you're just going to come back and be washed over with insanity, basically. What is the one moment where you've you know, either taken a nap, woke up, got online, and realized the world had changed? Uh, um, okay, when, so when you got uh, th- this maybe this this probably isn't the most profound, but mm-hmm. it is one that like sticks out in my head. Um, I went out uh, name dropping out here. I went out for some barbecue at at the Piston on uh, Bloor and Dovercourt. If you're looking for some good barbecue, also a lovely live music venue as well. So I went out to the Piston with uh, Fight Network homies John Pollock and Wei Tang, and as we sat down, they started talking. And I was like confused. I can't remember like what specifically they said, but I was like confused and they could read the confusion on my face. I remember Pollock looking at me and keep in mind, it's like 9 p.m., 8 p.m. I just I just had a nap. You know, I I had a nap for three hours, got in the shower, went out, going to eat some barbecue with some friends. And they see the confused look on my face and Paul looks back and goes, oh, do you not know? And I was like, no, what? And they just go, oh, yeah, Roddy Piper died two hours ago. I was like, what the fuck? What? Wow. I had a nap. I had a nap. And now now they live is totally different for me. Hmm. That's I can't like like Piper's Pit is just it now it fills me with sadness. Pardon? Hmm. I seriously I seriously thought they were kidding for a second. I was like, are you and they were like, no, no, seriously. Not that I was surprised that a pro wrestler had died and like Piper was like 60 something, right? Like, yeah, not the most surprising thing in the world. But still, it was it was literally that feeling like I had no idea I wasn't on top of the world. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know I wasn't on top of things. I literally just had a two hour and a half, got in the shower, came out, boom, going to eat some food, eat some barbecue with the homies. No surprise. Rowdy Rowdy Piper's dead. So that's the one that always sticks out for me because I had no – like it wasn't like I was away from civilization. I didn't go on a vacation. It was literally – I took a nap, went out for dinner. Surprise, Roddy Piper's dead. So that's the one that always sticks out for me because of like the time gap being so short and me just having absolutely no idea. Rob, have you have you been in on this thing? Like have you had like a too much information moment and you were just out of the loop for four hours and people stared at you? Yeah. No, I had a frustrating one once. I was in class one way. I was in like waiting for Russian lit to start back in college, and mm-hmm. my phone was off. So I missed phone calls and text messages from people. But I found I once found out about a friend's death because of a fucking sorry DJ, uh, a, like a MySpace thread. So oh I'm sitting waiting for class to start. I found out my friend's dead because of freaking MySpace. That's that's actually horrible. That's... You still hear us, Rob? Are we still with you? Yeah. Okay, perfect. I had to fix that the is, phone there. That is MySpace too. Like, yeah, that's the worst. That like obviously that would have sucked in the moment, but there's you know n- not to be crass, but like there's something that I guess time goes on that makes that seem even sadder. You know, like in 2017, saying I found out about a friend's death through MySpace just sounds like a horror show. I've uh, I haven't found a personal friend uh, that has passed away. I haven't found out that way online, but I did find out that like an acquaintance killed themselves via Facebook, which was super grim. Uh, the moment the moment that changed for me is I took a nap and everything was fine, and then I woke up and I thought everything wasn't fine. I thought that things had changed really, really crazily. But Dana White told me it was business as usual, so I didn't worry that Strike Force uh, was sold to the UFC. And man, that I mean, was nothing's changed that since. Was, so. 
that that is a good one too because I, I like I woke up to it. I didn't stumble upon it in the middle of the day, but I do remember getting up. I wasn't like a Sunday too. It was either a Saturday or a Sunday, yeah. And I, uh, I think it was like a Sunday morning. I remember getting up and going to my computer and and just being like, oh well, Strike Force has been sold. Obviously, like you know, covering the sport, I I knew that Silicon Valley Sports Entertainment were like looking to get out, but still, like the the immediacy and permanency. When you're just like, oh, well, the UFC owns Force now. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, and this was like right before their event in San Diego where Gilbert Melendez fought Kawajiri, I believe. And um, I was credentialed to that. And I got up and I was like, well, I guess that's not happening anymore. I guess I'm not going to San Diego now. And then it was like, no, no, we're still going. We're credentialed, and then I got to San Diego. I was like, "Oh yeah, we don't have credentials." So surprise. Yeah, and then I remember hanging out with Micah Fromwitz in the lobby, going, "Oh man, you're more upset about this than I am." I get it. <laughs> Muay times at AOL I, forever. I, I can't even the story. I remember reading about it years ago. I have to like do a deep Google search for it, but it was like an interview with some kid. I guess he he was a student at Columbine, who apparently like. Decided to skip school that day and slept in, and like noon, he turns on the TV, and then there it is. Yeah. You've heard the Seth MacFarlane story, right? No. Seth MacFarlane was supposed to be on one of the planes that crashed into the World Trade Center. Oh, but... I, have, I have actually. Oh, yes. Yeah. My, my, um, my high school trade teacher's brother worked on like the 105th floor of like Tower 2 or North Tower, or whatever. And he had like a nine fifteen meeting, and like got stuck in traffic or some crap. Dang. Yeah, McFarlane was hungover and didn't make his flight. I mean, best night to go drinking, I guess. Seriously. What's on your mind, Rob? Apart from the morbid, the morbid uh, dovetailing <laughs> of the internet. Uh, just sitting here drinking some coconut milk, eating some uh, mashed potatoes covered in sriracha. Hey, what's the, difference, what's the difference between coconut milk and coconut water? Anything? You're asking the wrong person. Yeah, I, I was going to say I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of an almond milk kind of dude. Like, is, is, <laughs> is coconut milk like a milk, like almond milk is, or is coconut milk just literally coconut water? I think I think the thing is coconut water. I think it's it's literally the water from the coconut. Like when you split it open, I don't know if you ever like split or like an actual coconut open. I think coconut water is literally the water that comes out of it. Whereas yeah. coconut milk, I think they like scrape the white from the inside and basically pulverize it. Okay, I was just making sure that there, there is a milk and that we're not talking about the same thing. And you call it soda and I call it pop. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, there's, there's definitely a difference. I think that's the difference. I think coconut water is just the water from when you split the coconut uh, okay, open, yep. and it, then it says coconut right here. milk is yep. that water Co- with the coconut. The coconut milk is the liquid that comes from the grated meat of a mature coconut. <laughs> the grated meat of a mature coconut. That's, that's what uh, that's what Google tells me on Wikipedia. <laughs> hey, you want some grated coconut meat? I, I want. Well, I mean, is it mature? I mean. That's that's up to the eye of the beholder. <laughs> also, Rob, so, by the way, can we... uh, you, you damn right you got some hot sauce up on your taters. Uh, potatoes, uh, mashed potatoes, baked potato, potato salad especially. If you don't have hot sauce on that, you, you're slacking. You're slacking. 
<laughs> so can we dive into this whole Weidman debacle? <laughs> Let's. Oh, and a shout out to TJ. Beat down after Bell was really good. I actually listened to it twice. I, I appreciated your candor, and I think you were on point as being fired up as you were about it. All I was so, doing was reading the rules. Good job. Thank you. It's not, it's I mean, not, you can, you like can I say do- all I was doing was reading the rules, but that's that's further than we get with most people. In MMA. Well, I was just happy that I knew the rule. Like, I I was very, very happy because I was live tweeting, like, uh, mm-hmm. Weidman doesn't get five minutes. The doctor can give him five minutes. Like, Weidman is not entitled to five minutes. Um, so, But apparently we found out that replay is fine. As is as is polling, you can just you can just walk outside the, and ask every other referee what I, they thought. I mean, why I've, have a referee I've, at all? I've never why, seen. Why not just have five referees in the cage? I've never seen anything in unified rules about the word polling. Uh, I've looked it up. Uh, I would love to see whatever rules were amended and adapted and ratified by the New York State Athletic Commission. I'd love to see that on paper. I don't know That's if I can. That's the craziest part to me is uh, your boy John Anik was like tweeting yesterday like, hey, like I've done a bunch of research into this. And he basically said, you know, I, I, I feel now after doing a bunch of research that Weidman has less of a compelling case to have this thing overturned than I did when I started. But one of the things he, he dialed into was uh, like apparently polling is OK. This is nowhere in the rules. And like obviously I've seen it done. I've seen officials ask sure. other people at KJ, you know, like I've seen it before. But I had no idea that there was even a, you know, like a, a secret rule, a, a non right. Uh, what's, 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 a what's secret the word menu. I'm for? Like, uh, this is yeah. where, where's my pink Starburst at Jamba Juice? Like, where <laughs> is that? Where this polling is located? Yeah, it's like Sour Patch Kids Jamba, basically. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I had no idea this was a thing. So I mean, even I got to learn learn a little something out of it, which is but, nice. But I mean, it, here here's the problem. I was reading from the unified rules, which are available on UFC.com. <laughs> okay. Um. I does every I know New Jersey used to have their unified rules up because they were the unified rules. I assume that who whoever put them up on UFC.com just copied and pasted them from New Jersey's unified rules or, or Nevada's site. Nevada has right. the. Uh, Unified rules for uh, unarmed combatants or whatever they call right. it. But I, I believe that every commission should have that. So I can easily go ahead and look that up because it, it just doesn't make any sense at this point. Um, well, especially in a time where, you know, the, the new unified rules are in some states. And then obviously you mentioned New Jersey. New Jersey sent that thing out yesterday, like multiple uh, PR blasts that, you know, they're, they're – <laughs> The intent is obviously for New Jersey to just piss in the face of every other commission uh, who didn't go their way with the Association of Boxing Commissions meeting and all these people who adopted the new unified rules. They sent out two uh, press releases on Monday, and both of them were effectively – they sent out the first one, and I was like, okay, they didn't mention Weidman Musasi directly. They're they're trying to be cute, and then they send out another one like two hours later, and they explicitly talk about Weidman Musasi and dump all over New York. And I was like, oh damn! In, in case that first in case that first press release wasn't clear, here we go. The other thing, and and Rob, going back to to your point, the thing that that, that sticks with me about it, and and going to to what TJ brought up as well, this for me kind of crystallized with the first Tim Means. And Alex Oliveira fight that sensation, and I know like it's enabled by Twitter, where you know all the savvy MMA people are right there, champing at the bit, ready to to jump on the slightest 
uh, miscarriage of justice. But it is to me kind of like chilling and bizarre when you have this dynamic of, of, you know, thousands of people watching a fight basically together via Twitter, social media, whatever. Something happens and they have this guy in Mark Ratner, literally one of the most important and influential regulators in the history of combat sports. And collectively, there's just thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of people on Twitter like, no, those aren't the rules. And like they're watching television, watching a man who ostensibly knows everything about the rules, helped create the rules. And he's standing there and doesn't know them. And Twitter is just having a collective meltdown. That dynamic that we get now with MMA is, you know, I'm sure you get it with other sports. You know, there are, you know. referees and officials blow it in in stick and ball sports too but it seems to happen more often in mixed martial arts and yeah that dynamic of watching twitter melt down while the actual regulators in charge are doddering around don't know the rules i mean that's the crazy thing like that's like that's what will always stick with me about Wadman Musasi. it's not you know Wadman's face when he realizes it's being called it's not even the corner audio now that we've had with Sarah and Longo losing their minds. It's that, that you know, uh, 4,000 new notifications, and you click it, and all of it is just, he doesn't get five minutes! Yeah. That's here's, the thing that sticks with me. Here's my thing, too. I am completely lost and confused by reading the rules. I thought that there had to be a certain amount of time uh, to be passed uh, in about for a fight to go to a technical decision. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it like basically that in a three-round fight? Isn't it basically the halfway mark? There's nothing that says that at all in the rules. So let me let me tell you what I found according to the unified rules. Uh, right. If, if it, basically uh, an injury shall have to happen or something like that to go to a technical decision, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's how it works: If an injury sustained during competition as a result of an intentional foul, as determined by the referee. Uh, causes the injured contestant to be unable to continue at a subsequent point in the contest, the injured contestant shall win by technical decision if he or she is ahead on the scorecards. If the injured contestant is even or behind in the scorecards at the time of the stoppage, the outcome of the bout shall be declared a draw, a technical draw. That That's confusing to me. Okay, so if it's, you, it's also funny because I don't think I've ever seen because in any situation like that, they've always just made it a no contest. Right. I don't think I've ever now, seen I now, have seen a technical draw, but it comes, you know, it's like round three foul early in round three. They go to the cards and it's like 1990 or, or, you know, even if they score that partial round. Right. It ends up being a draw. Like I've no, seen but, technical but, draws, but, but in that situation, I've only ever seen no contest. But, but again, let me let me go back here and, and tell you more about uh the options here. If an injury sustained during competition as a result of an intentional foul as determined by the referee severe enough to terminate about the contestant causing the injury loses by disqualification. So, so that's article B, Uh which goes against what happens in article uh, D. Okay. So now it comes down to intent and basically uh, again, so I'm going to read you B and then you tell me how it's different from D. Okay. Okay. Article B um, if an injury sustained during competition as a result of an intentional foul as determined by the referee is severe enough to terminate about, the contestant causing the injury loses by disqualification. Now, here's Article D. If an injury sustained during competition as a result of an intentional foul as determined by the referee causes the injured contestant to be unable to continue at a subsequent point in the contest, 
the injured contestant shall win by technical decision. So does that mean if the injured combatant by the illegal foul decides that they can continue and then later in the contest can no longer continue because of that foul, we go to the scorecards? I'm confused. That is also very poorly worded because it also it, – it, what it literally reminds me of – is there's a famous uh, boxing after dark on HBO where uh, is in Texas and it was refereed by Lawrence Cole, who you may know as one of the absolute most ghastly boxing officials in the world. It has nothing to do with the fact that his dad, Dickie Cole, has run the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulations for years. It has nothing. That is definitely not why his crony shit ass son gets tons of major boxing assignments. It's definitely not why. And I'll never forget. Uh, it was Juan Manuel Marquez and Yimrex Yaka. And Yimrex Yaka accidentally had headbutted Juan Manuel Marquez, who had clearly won every round. It was no surprise. But it's like the end of round seven or end of round eight. And Lawrence Cole goes to Juan Manuel Marquez's corner and basically says, like, the headbutt is like the result of a foul. If you don't want to keep fighting, we'll go to the cards. Like he tells him this, which is fine. But then he goes, you're up on the scorecards. Like he actually tells Juan Manuel Marquez. He literally, dude, HBO got him on camera. He tells Juan Manuel Marquez, you're up on all the scorecards. If you if you don't want to keep fighting, we'll go to a decision. Yeah, like, hey, do you want to win now or? <laughs> do you want to win now or later? Like straight up. That's basically what he said to him. That The way that that is written, that's what it sounds like. And the other thing is – if if there is a foul, like you know, like an accidental headbutt or something like that, right? You can be the guilty party and still win. The way that is written, right? I mean, obviously, if you commit an intentional foul, right? But I what mean, is intentional? Is intentional going, hey, I'm gonna foul this guy right now, or <laughs> is it I'm gonna knee him because I don't think he's up, but or because I don't think he's down, but oh, clearly he was down. Whoops. Is that intentional yeah. or is that accidental? Like that's up to the interpretation. Of the official, and that, those are those are two shittily written bits uh, of the right <laughs> of those rules. And I mean, I don't know, man. So it comes down to like what the referee sees, how they want to do it. He, here's my entire thing. Like apparently, replays a, a thing now. Uh, th- this goes back to Ellenberger and Mosvidal, where Herb Dean goes and uh, asks for basically permission to restart the fight because it seemed like that's what he wanted to do after that malfunction. Um, and everyone said, no, 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 you got to stop the fight. You got to stop the fight. So he stopped the fight in life. It is much better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And this is why I don't like the whole polling thing. Just go out there, do what you want to do, own your shit, and then make a, apologize for it if you need to, because the moment that you ask for permission as the referee, you're going to get a bad answer. And basically people aren't going to tell you what you want to do and then you're going to have to still be held accountable for it so if you're going to be held ladies accountable and gentlemen, for your decision, that is champion of consent tj DeSantis here on the sure dog radio network i mean you know what i mean come on jordan <laughs> like he, he, here's in situations where you are the decision maker make the decision don't ask for permission rob what else you got <laughs> do, do you think wyman was fishing for it or was milking it or whatever people are talking about I don't want to say milking it because, okay, when people say milking it, I know what they're, they, they're, what they mean is he thought that if he stayed down, he would win. And I do think that is true. You want to win now or later? <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it is. That's what it is. And, like, I've been asked this question too, Jordan. Like, if Chris Weidman was milking it, 
that's not a uh, indication of what kind of human being he is or or the character of him. That's gamesmanship and that savvy veteranship. Uh, had, well, the other thing is Chris too, Weidman, he was clearly he was clearly hurt because yeah. I mean you guys have probably heard the quarter corner audio by now. Um, dude, that this is Eddie Alvarez, Roger Huerta all over again. There, there's no if if anything, the corner audio completely uh, undermines Weidman's case, and it all like is kind of like a, a not that it's probably more bitter than sweet in the bittersweetness, but if you think Weidman was milking it, sure, I think he thought if he stayed down, he was going to win, and in that is what he tried to do. That said, if you think Chris Weidman wasn't hurt, why did he think it was February? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there's no, I mean, there's no two ways about that. Like I, I, I never really messed up. I never heard Mergliata ask him or the doctor ask him what month it was. I heard them ask what day it was. And um, I think he got so, it incorrect. But he, here's the thing. Ray Longo said this on Anakin Florian, basically saying, you know what? Uh, if you ask him what day it is, I mean, shit, it was 1230 in the morning. So what yes. day is it? Is it Sunday yeah. or is it Saturday? Uh, we're also in the middle of a fight. Uh, him not being able to say what day it is isn't necessarily a clear indication that he is concussed. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's difficult. And I mean, and that's the thing in it. Like, we see what fighters come back from on the regular. I'm, I mean, I'm fine with the fight being stopped if a dude doesn't know what month it was. Yeah. That said, dude, we <laughs> Rich Franklin watch, didn't know. Watch it was something the... like Sakuraba Smirnovis. Do you think Kazushi Sakuraba even know what country he was from when he armbarred this dude? How like, not a chance? No. Now, how about Rich Franklin not knowing it was the fifth round uh, in his fight <laughs> with Evan Tanner? Is that enough to go? You don't know it's the fifth round. Clearly, you're concussed. You can't fight anymore. You know, like, where do we draw the line? I remember Herb Dean kind of getting on me on Buffer Show one time when I said that the clinical definition of a concussion is when a person loses consciousness. So when you're flash KO'd and you wake up, uh, yes, you were out and now you're awake. But medically speaking, you were concussed. Should we stop the fight? And he just said, well, why should we let these guys fight anyway? He got a little bit defensive. And I'm like, no, Herb, I'm with you. I'm I'm on your side. But I'm just saying that fight sport is inherently dangerous. And if we start to go, oh, my gosh, he might be hurt, uh, then we just can't let these guys fight. I'm I'm honestly, Jordan, I'm really worried about this test that they're developing right now uh, that is supposed to be able to indicate whether a athlete has uh, CTE and they're, they're obviously still alive, that we can figure out if people have CTE uh, before they pass away and we inspect their brain. If that's the case... Like, what is going to be the clinical definition of you being allowed to compete in anything if you have signs of CTE on your brain already? And, and if, yeah, I if, mean, if you get CTE from getting concussed one time, if there's signs of CTE in one time, like, are we going to have guys like, oh, man, he's really getting up there in his fight career, six fights? <laughs> well, I mean, Jordan Parsons, when Jordan Parsons passed away, in, dude, he was, he was killed in a hit and run. He had, yeah. like— you know, like 10 pro fights and they look at his brain and there's like, oh my God, he already has signs of CTE. And that's a dude that like, he's a Bellator undercarder. Yep. I mean, I don't know if he played football. I don't know what went into that, but I mean, it's, it's very difficult to say, you know, what causes CTE, who's more susceptible, who's not. But I, I have a very hard time believing that anybody that we call warriors, a Mark Hunt, a Dan Henderson, Vandalay Silva, Chuck, all these guys, like, 
have a very hard time believing that there's not signs of wear on their brain. What else, Rob? I mean, I think people people have been knocked out to fights and come back to win. I mean, I think I think Verdun was out before he armbarred Fedor. I mean, that, and, and that's the other thing, too, is we can identify, you know, like classic examples. The one I always think of is Antonio McKee and Ron Jun, where it was very obvious Ron Jun knocked him out, then hit him again and just woke him back to life by throwing a second punch. Um, but th- there must be so many because, I mean, dude, a concussion is just literally your brain hit your skull. There must be so many times that there are those like micro concussions or dudes, dudes lose consciousness for a second, a second and a half, and we don't even perceive it. Right. I mean, how many people have been knocked out while standing, not even closing their eyes? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it happens a lot. You can get flash. I mean, you've seen that uh, that famous video of that boxer who gets knocked out and he's still throwing the jab flat on his back? Yeah, yeah, Like Simon, uh, oh, I can't think of his name, but yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. run on instinct. Do you know what I mean? We're human beings that run on instinct. And, uh, I mean, I've seen it. You've seen it. Justin Eilers, I mean, he got knocked out. Uh, and would take two steps back, and then do the Ric Flair timber. It looked like a, it looked like bad pro wrestling, but yeah. it was it's how your brain shuts off sometimes. Simon Brown, yeah, I mean, that's that dude's name. With Verdum, I mean that armbar, he wasn't probably even thinking. Okay, armbar, it's just pure muscle memory. Yeah, I mean, and that's literally what it is. It's just it it it, it goes to a point where people are just going on instinct and doing what they've like. I mean, that's it's literally that's what you train to do. You train yourself so that this stuff is just reflexive. All right, two last things before I get out of here. It's been a little, little more uh, a positive. Did you see Sage's little uh, uh, surgery outfit this morning? Ooh, I did not. All right, I'm going right now. Can you ready to have the tonsils out? Uh, I just want to let everyone know, uh, anesthesia, it's awesome. When you have time, everybody should check it out. I want, I want Sage <laughs> to get his wisdom teeth out. Like, I want <laughs> – would it be funny? What would, what would be more amusing to you? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. And, of course, of course the next photo is, like, him with a nurse, and he's got, like, his shirt. Ha- just got out of surgery. He's <laughs> I'm getting my tonsils removed. Here's my six-pack. I can't even I can't even explain how funny that the, the the picture of him in scrubs and stuff like that is is cute enough but the one with the, the more recent one after surgery with his scrubs half off and he's just like sitting by this nurse who's quizzically looking at him uh all I hope is that we get a uh, a Sage Northcut uh wisdom tooth removal video I don't know if it would be funnier if post wisdom teeth removal I don't know if it'd be funnier if he was still like Sage or if he just became like this vulgar, like insane vulgar character. He comes out of wisdom teeth surgery and he's Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, I was going to stick with <laughs> MMA. I was going to say he turns into Kevin Lee or like Mola Wall or something like that. We see him get um, his wisdom teeth <laughs> removed and then ne- the next photo is him hanging out with John Jones. <laughs> Sage Northcutt comes out of surgery. He's got a leather jacket with the collar popped. He's smoking around his face. I love it. I love him. And then he, he'd just be like, "Has anyone heard of dry sockets?" <laughs> what else you got, Rob? Did you see Sage front flipping, landing on the apple? What? <laughs> yeah. What happened? He did some trick where he like he does like a he front or back flip and he lands and crushes an apple or something stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah, dude, and uh, well, he does. Well, he does the Dan Gable apple crush in his hands too. Like what? Sage is, oh, uh, he's got parlor tricks for days. What is going to happen to Sage Northcutt when he's like thirty-eight years old? 
Because the reason I ask this is, will he still, will he ever lose this gimmick? Will Sage Northcutt ever grow up? Or have we already come this far down the road where Sage is just going to be uh, a child forever? It, does MMA have its first child star? <laughs> 38-year-old MMA child star, Sage Northcutt. Yeah. Sage Northcutt is a lost Osman child. I was actually, I was literally thinking, I was watching, I, also, don't make fun of me. These are the things I do in my spare time. I was watching one of his sister Colby's amateur fights recently, and um, I want to say it's incontrovertible because she has stopped fighting and Sage is still, she's clearly the talent with family. <laughs> she's, as an amateur, she's like, competitively speaking, she was already in a better place than where Sage is now. Uh-huh. Okay, well, Colby, thing, Colby, come see, back uh, to us. Uh, there's a Instagram post of him standing on a Rolls Royce. He's like, you know, somebody's earning money, blah, blah, blah. And I guess if it was leased, and the company that leased it posted on the picture saying, yeah, that's not yours. Don't stand on it. <laughs> well, he can always he can always blow vape juice in his, his Lamborghini, I guess. And <laughs> They also said something to, 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 to the effect of, uh, once you own it, like Floyd, you can stand on it. Can I just say, if you've got enough money to lease a Rolls Royce, that that's you still got stupid money. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that just puts you that just puts you in like fronting rapper territory. Which, in fairness, Conor McGregor making it into fronting rapper territory is still further than most MMA fighters get. Later, guys. Peace, dude. Stay on the phones, 844-743-7364. It's 844-743-7364. Line two, it's JR from Fresno. JR, what's up? That'd be Junior. Um, well, then why did you capitalize it? Why wouldn't you put that's J, a, that's a, that's lowercase a, that's, r, in a period? That's a mistake. That or, was me holding the caps lock. why wouldn't you literally write the word Junior? I, I mean, I, I just figured you had well, known to be fair, Junior. Most people can't spell Junior. I was like... 23 before I could actually spell it. I've been going by that for <laughs> my entire life. Junior, J-U-N-E-Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Junior. That's, a, that's, a, that's how you spell it in Brazil. I, th- I think so. I'm, I'm actually I'm actually not going to argue with that because spell check saves my ass every day. What's on your mind, dude? Real bad. When you're, well, First of all, I was gonna I was gonna start with a nice uh, you know uh, what's it called? Oh man, I even forgot talking about seat uh, brain trauma. Uh, oh yeah, he made us pancakes. That's what it was, pancakes. <laughs> and then he made us pancakes. That was, uh, but yeah, I just hate it. You, you got me on a horrible in a horrible place to tell me that Charlie Murphy was no longer with us. I don't want to live in a world without Charlie Murphy or Prince or Rick James, and here we are. Yeah, dude, that's that. actually the craziest part about that. Now that I think about it, those E True Hollywood, everyone other than Dave is dead. Prince yeah. dead. Rick James dead. Charlie Murphy dead. Uh, Dave Chappelle's career was dead, but now it's back. Yeah, I mean, well, the other thing is he's got he's got another special in the can too. He can just like whip it out whenever he wants. Yeah, well, I mean, did you did you watch the uh, the Netflix? I've uh, I haven't seen the other one. I've I watched the O.J. Simpson one. I'm I'm blown away how well it came off. Blown away. The dude, line dude, where he says the line where he said I turn on Comedy Central and watch Key and Peele do my show just yeah. killed me. <laughs> killed me. 
Oh, Dave, please don't leave us anytime soon. Although Dave's probably going to dive into enlarged heart or like some Eddie Guerrero type action because he is so off the gas, man. I mentioned uh, I mentioned John Pollock and Wei Ding earlier. I'll uh, I'll go with a direct rip from Review Away. Uh, Scott Putzky Award winner, Dave Chappelle. No, For those man. who don't know, the Scott yeah. Putzky Award is given to uh, whoever on a given show that Pollock and Waiting review who happens to be the most steroided out person. Yeah, I just got to say, I mean, this whole, I mean, everyone, it's weird. Old people, when I was a kid, old people were old. Once you're 50, you were old. And I think Chappelle, what, he's like 48 or something like that. And now he's just like got this rebirth of, of, of career and physicality. I mean, Jesus Christ. Well, it's not even a rebirth. His physicality, so it's just a birth. I, I heard I heard Carrot Top, who was once a brick shit house, now looks like Fat Bastard. Really? Yeah. Dude, Carrot Top was, was dude, he had like an off, eight pack. Yeah, yeah. he had gotten off the juice because he was having like some body dysmorphia issues or something. And then as it went, they were like, yeah, he was he was on our interview saying, yeah, I went to therapy and realized the reason I was you know doing this was I had serious body issues. I was like, no crap. I mean, come on, you don't get you're not a prop comic and you know. Benching 550. I will say this. uh, Carrot Top, incredibly underrated show. Incredibly underrated. Uh, Yeah, he is. You and my mother mother can have a great conversation about how funny Carrot Top is someday. Give Gina my number. (laughs) She does have two Carrot Top towels. Oh, my God. Don't don't give her my number. Don't, please. (laughs) I don't know, um, I don't know how I ended up being the funniest of- person in all of mixed martial arts other than uh, Adam Hunter because uh, my mom clearly has no sense of humor. Yeah. Um, I uh, I have your mom's phone number, by the way. <laughs> I mean, but it's also, I know you it's do, all, which is like the weird It's part. also your dad's phone number, too. But, I mean, you know. And, uh, like you have my parents' home phone number. And, yeah, like. and I have to look at it like every single time I go to call you and go, shit, which one is it? I almost said it out loud, and then I just realized, like, no, that's a bad idea. Don't go. Don't yeah, don't, don't, friend. don't do that. I get to see them this weekend. They're coming into town. Shout out to, uh, oh, wow. shout out to my family. Yeah. What else on your mind, Junior? Uh, regulations. Um, of course, we can have great ideas to try to fix the uh, the shenanigans that went forth this weekend. Uh, but also, I mean, with these appeals, I mean, everyone's filing appeals this weekend. Or this week, I mean, from this weekend, you got, uh, you know, Chris Weidman's camp. They're saying, you know, they're filing an appeal because replay isn't in the state of New York. You got Anthony Johnson now, after he lost, uh, filing an appeal over Towelgate. I mean, are these. I'm I'm appealing my pay per view bill because I wanted a definite fight uh, between Weidman and Musasi. I don't know. I mean, that's what I paid for. I, I can thanks get the, those back. I've been trying. Thanks for the courtesy lab. Oh yeah, you can you can get pay per views back. Definitely can. You just got to call your pay per view provider. Ooh, I'm doing that this morning. Oh man, I woke uh, up this morning. The 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 nice people at Fight Pass gave me a nice credit one time because uh, I had some some issues that may well have been on my end. Yeah. Uh, but they were just like, yeah, you know, whatever. We'll discredit you. You can get the next pay per view for free. Like, sweet. You know? Oh, do you know I work for Sure Dog? Clearly, they didn't. 
But with the with the towel, like I said, the, the towel thing. I mean, wouldn't that be something you have to argue in the moment? Like, hey, can he take his hands off the towel? I mean, I don't. I'm, was anybody there? I saw that video. Do we know that? Was anybody in Anthony Johnson's corner there to watch him weigh in? No, because that's that's the thing. Johnson Johnson weighed in, I believe, after Cormier blew weight the first time, and then him and his crew were in the back, and right. it was only after that people were like, "Oh, dude, he's grabbing the towel." Which goes to show you should always have someone from your team watching that person weigh in. Which also, by the way, is a reminder of – you know you know what would have ensured that Anthony Johnson and his team saw it? If we didn't have this stupid weigh-in procedure. Hey, here's like a – here's a two-hour window. You can yeah. just walk into this room whenever you want and weigh in at your leisure. What? Just move up the weigh-ins. That's what I don't understand. Just move up yeah. the weigh-ins. Again, literally, literally, like that. That's what I was about to say. Is I'm not saying that the provisions to get people to stop cutting extreme amounts of weight. I'm not saying they're bad. Yeah, I'm not saying just, we should do, abandon this by all means. You know, keep keep the multiple weigh-ins. Make sure people are on target weight. Weigh them. You know, when they when they land and now on check-in day, do all of that. Yeah. But yeah, like TJ said, if if. If you're going to say, you know, maybe maybe you bump it back, you know, to to 11 a.m., noon, whatever. But people are still going to show up. The kind of person who gives a damn, the kind of person who, whether they have tickets or not to a UFC event, the kind of person who's going to show up at weigh-ins on a Friday, they're going to come if it's noon right. versus 4 p.m. They're going to they're, they're they're, come at 11 a.m. They're going to come at 3 a.m., like honestly. Like, he, here's the thing about all those weigh-ins, too, and, and I got to see this firsthand at Invicta. It's not all that m- easier on the fighters, especially a fighter that is going to make weight fine, but their opponent may not. They come in, they weigh in, they start to hydrate, but they don't go on without their day or go on about their day. They sit there and they wait for their opponent to weigh in, who if their opponent is having troubles cutting weight, they don't show up until the very last moment and then they're stressing out the entire time. Like it, it's 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 better, yes, but the whole duration um, of these fighters having to to make weight, getting that extra time, like it it actually kind of penalizes the people that make weight quickly, um, because they or their camp just sits around much longer than if it was later in the day. And I think you're onto something there too. And plus, by the way, the promotion doesn't care who shows up for weigh-ins. Yeah, it looks great for television or whatever, but it's like yeah. they're not selling tickets. They're not exactly. You know, I mean, maybe some merch, I guess. But it's like who goes to the UFC weigh-in to buy a fight kit? Like, if you're going to buy a fight kit, odds are you're going to be able to do it, or you're going to do it before you go to a weigh-in. And, and like, I, who are we I kidding? love MMA, and the weigh-ins is like watching the NFL draft. I don't care. I mean, let me get the results at the end of the day. I don't need to watch this. I, I don't, I mean, maybe you might get like a, a, a stray, like nut might escape. But other than that, that's about the highlight of the weigh-in for me. I mean, I'm what, pretty straight. Uh, <laughs> Hog analysis is that what you guys call the brain? <laughs> yes, hog analysis. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, to Steve. Yeah. Um. Another thing though, too, going back to the fight kits. Have you ever seen anybody wearing a fight kit? Like ever in public wearing a fight yes. kit? Like yeah, not. I've seen, hey, let me ask you this: Not at a UFC event. I've seen two people not wearing fight or wearing fight kits, not at a UFC event, and they were both Ronda Rousey kits. Interesting. I've never seen one outside of like being in the same city that the UFC is in. Um. And the only fight kits I've ever seen were Conor McGregor. 
Yeah, I've yet to see a McGregor one in the wild. The only two I've seen in the wild are, were both Rousey. I remember one time I was like, oh my God, that person has a Chaz Skelly fight kit on. What the <laughs> hell is going on? And then I was like, and oh, that's Skelly. No, it was Stephen Wright, his striking <laughs> coach. Enough. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Also, also, not to be a complete dick, but you should have known because it's like, in honesty, dude, how many black Chaz Skelly fans do you think? No, it's true. It's true. But again, I didn't see him from the front, and it was like, we were. Wait, you I didn't was, see him from the front, so you didn't know Stephen Wright was black? No, no, but stop. Like, again, I didn't see. I didn't see his face, so there was no identifying marker that that was Stephen Wright from a long ways away. And I don't just think that You're every that black guy. Hey, that was a microaggression. Um, <laughs> but yes, when I saw it was him, it all made sense. Junior, what else, dude? Um, head trauma, head trauma, head trauma. We need to figure this out. I, I don't want. I'm worried about the. Uh, I, I have been reading up on the newest. Uh, I guess it'd be akin to like a uh, an MRI, as it were, uh, with the brain scans and everything. And one of the things is that. All, the, all these brain scans that they're coming out with uh, with uh, cadavers and people who are deceased and who have de- donated their brains to science, I'm just afraid that they're they're missing the mark on this. I mean, I I have serious short-term memory issues from repeated head trauma, and that's documented for me. And I was a boxer, but it I don't know if that was it. I mean, is I'm just worried. Because we all know that there was a risk growing up, and I think more information for the fighters just letting them know, hey, this is a scary sport for your brain. Be aware. Now, once the fighter assumes that risk, I think that's okay. But, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it's me being a fight fan just kind of like, hey, get in there. I want to see the best guys. I mean, as, as it was said by one great congressman many, many years ago, this is human cockfighting, I guess, but it's at the, the highest level, and I just want to continue seeing that, and I don't want it to be stifled by uh, by the by the medical by medical misinformation, getting too scared to go the wrong way. All that being said, uh, continue to be a hitch, habitual line steppers. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jordan, but I actually think that football would be uh, more at risk of getting shut down than just straight up combat sports, even when it comes to CTE scans. Um, and, and whether or not we allow those athletes to continue to play, because uh, I'm a I'm a big believer that the protective headgear um, allows you just to take more unnecessary punishment. Well, I mean th- that is like I, I always make this point. It's I, it's I think it's more salient for the most part with prize fighting. Junior, appreciate the call as well, my man. Um, Oh, it's hang on, hang on, hang on. We got to reconnect with you because all of a sudden you you got SpongeBob square pants. You're you sound like you're living in a pineapple underneath the sea. SpongeBob square pants, all yellow and porous is he? SpongeBob square pants. All right, you're back. TJ, Hi. His his name his name TJ is Bob Esponja. Oh really? We, we we refer to him by his Portuguese name here on this Brazilian MMA podcast. Oh okay. Got it. <laughs> by, by the way, I don't know why it makes me laugh so hard. Brazilian people love SpongeBob SquarePants to like a insane degree. I'll never forget being in Australia, and um, I was there for those Impact FC events when uh, Ken Shamrock got his life destroyed by Pedro Hizzo. Um, Daniel Acasio, before he got his orbital bone cracked in half by a Paul Daly elbow, um, 
Actually, no, I think maybe his forehead. He thought he, he thought his forehead had split in half. Regardless, before Daly hit him with the elbow, um, it's like the day before weigh-ins, and he's eating frozen – I mean, obviously, Brazilian stereotypes. He's in a pair of silk boxer shorts eating frozen acai out of a tub with a spoon, and he's, he's going through the channels – on the hotel TV. It's all like, it's the middle of the day. So it's all like, you know, it's like the Australian version of the view, which right. exists by the way. And it's horrific. Oh, uh, and then he finds an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants and I'll never forget Daniel Acasio. Like th- th- this dude's fought in pride at this point. He starts like bouncing on the bed. Like he's sitting, but he kind of starts like bouncing like a child would in exuberance. And he just goes, Bob Esponja, Bob Esponja. He was so excited. Any truth to the fact that he was only eating acai because there was no Krabby Patties? <laughs> Dude, frozen acai actually kind of looks like Krabby Patties. By the way, um, Junior made the joke about like microaggressions and stuff, and I, I, we led with the polio joke off the top, so this may be this may not be good territory to go into. I won't I won't say what kind of affliction this child may or may not have, but skulls, uh, whips, and chains. He's probably on the spectrum, but have you ever seen the video of the kid on YouTube making Krabby Patties? No. Oh boy, we got we got some work to do after radio teaching. We got, I, some, uh, we got some work to do. Did you get my joke? You said you didn't know what kind of affliction, and yeah, I said, yeah. okay, just maybe that wasn't a good joke, but I I popped in my oh, head. Dude, affliction affliction jokes are always good jokes. What do you think Tom Atencio's doing right now, other than working on his tan? Making sure that none of his T-shirts have any whips. I mean, that's... I love inside jokes. You don't understand how much I love our inside jokes. Oh, my God. They make me so happy. (laughs) That is... That truly is such a weird thing because he did... I want to say, like, offended, but he was, like, taken aback when I said whips as though that was just insane. I mean, he didn't do this, but literally it was like, whoa, 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 wait. (laughs) Whips? Did you just say whips? He turns into Stewie Griffin. There are no whips. There's no cool whip. 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 There's no cherry whip. There's no ready whip. Nor is there a horse whip. A bull whip. I don't know any other kind of whips. A whippersnapper. <laughs> there you go. Mikey Whipwreck. Shout outs. My, Mikey, Mikey Whipwreck. Oh, man. My, my my favorite – by the way, I've mentioned this before. One of my favorite troll jobs ever um, – I've expressed – since we're since we're doing like a MMA media name-dropping thing, I've expressed in the past uh, that MMA junkie reporter Mike Bond is uh, a weak sissy of a man who can't beat me at WWE 2K anything. Um, but I've also expressed that like my favorite troll job is – because like – I'm a bit older than Mike, but also I grew up on older pro wrestling, and he's like more of like an attitude era dude. So he hates if I go out and I'm like, oh, I'm going to win the title of Tatsumi Fujinami. He's just like, who is this Japanese man I've never seen wrestle? Why is he in the elimination chamber? And then I'm just hitting dragon suplexes and just ruining his day. Um, I won <laughs> in, uh, in 2K16, because they had the Steve Austin mode. You can like unlock everything related to Steve Austin's career. Mikey Whipwreck, because obviously there's the famous ECW angle where like Austin like doesn't give a shit about wrestling but ends up getting upset by Mikey Whipwreck. 
So Mikey Whipwreck's in the game. I like <laughs> I won the title elimination chamber once, and it made him so mad because Mikey Whipwreck's like an eighty one in the game. He's literally one of the shittiest dudes you could possibly be. Man. And he's just out there in that ridiculous tie-dye t-shirt. And Mike's just like, who is this person? Like who who the hell is Mikey Whipwreck? And I was like, he's your champion now, bro. Shout out to Mikey Whipwreck. I, 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 I love that you stay lapsed. That makes me so oh. happy. Hashtag. And yeah, go listen to the lapsed pilgrimage. Uh, even if you don't give a damn about pro wrestling. I made this comment, actually, because, I mean, you mentioned it on last week's show, which is what, like, inspired me to, uh, as soon as I got off air, to, to go rock it. Um, I've made the comment in the past that there are some editions of the Laps fan that, like, transcend wrestling. Over the Edge, 1999, for yeah. example. Um, I feel like, even if you didn't, even if you've never seen WrestleMania 3, even if you've never seen a WrestleMania, if it, like... If I if, if I walked into a room and knew nothing about wrestling and was mm-hmm. listening to that podcast, I would just think like, what are you listening to? Like, are these people like walking in a garbage dump? Like, what? Yeah. It, but it's 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 it really is like magnetic, and there's something so like as they like it. it I mean, it it, it it's like it, you couldn't have scripted that better. You it's, know what I mean? It's two best friends going and doing something that. No, no, I mean, honestly, no rational human beings would really do. You're, you're chasing, you're chasing a feeling that largely is probably unattainable, but they, they, they get what they were looking for. And, um, I'm not going to tell you exactly what they get, but go check it out. Go watch it on YouTube. Um, just type in elapsed pilgrimage or soundcloud.com forward slash the lapsed fan. Um, there is video and stuff like the, the, the things that they uncover is just unbelievable. Like I, I w- Dude, if when this they, was a reality when they show, basically get into like the, the, the PR office yeah. and, and just start going through like old handbills right. that go back like 30 years, right. 40 years. Like that, that stuff to me is where I watch, you know, on television and go, hey, yeah, this is more reality television bullshit because clearly this stuff would not be lying around. Right. But no. It's there, and it's just sitting there. It, Lapsed it, pilgrimage. Go yeah. listen. Yeah, it's crazy. My my. Eight, four, hey, four. just real quick. Sorry. Uh, last testament to it. My wife hates pro wrestling. Rolls her eyes so hard at me when I talk about anything pro wrestling, and uh, she's tearing up during the damn thing. So, perfect. That's that. That's the kind of crossover action we're talking about. In that ass. Hashtag. All right, go back out to the phones, 844-743-7364 is the number. We've got about 20 minutes left. Get on in, 844-SHERDOG, 844-743-7364. Line one, it's Paul, the zombie form from Virginia Beach. Zombie Paul, what's good? Man, you know, we really needed Mike England refereeing the co-main event this weekend and the main event. I, I'm working as an agent for him now. I quit working for Papa North, so I'm working as an agent for Mike England, and I offered his services on discount to NY State, and they turned me down, and look what, look what the fiasco was. Hey, you know what I'll say about Mike England? He owns his shit. He would have called an iPhone. Yeah, but he owns, he, he owns it. He owns it. He doesn't defer. He doesn't ask for permission. He owns it. I mean, hey, he is. I, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't have to though. Like he basically, he doesn't run Missouri's athletic commission, but like he is the official. Yeah, like, he's their senior official him? for sure. Yeah. You know, if Big John had been in there, he would have grabbed Musashi by the throat, walked him back to the cage, told him, uh, not today, son, not on my watch, then looked up at the replay and been like, oh, yeah, carry on. 
<laughs> this sport, I mean, I don't, I don't want to just like you know, uh, you know, kind of like beat a dead horse and be like, oh, like what a stupid carnival sport. But seriously, what a stupid yeah. carnival sport we love. Like <laughs> when I. When I saw the Wyman Musashi fight, I had a bet on Musashi. I had a bet on DC, and uh, when I saw the Wyman Musashi fight, let me tell you, I just said this is the crazy carnival BS. Uh, this should have been in World Series of Fighting. Then it would have been like perfect. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I just like shake my head. Like someone says World Series of Fighting now, I'm just like. Um, I can't, I can't even remember. I, I think it may have been, um, someone, uh, um, Sean Sandu, I think maybe from MMA junkie, um, uh, posted something like talk to Scott Coker. He said they're interested in talking to Gigard Musasi and Jacare after their free agents. I mean, Musasi obviously is now Jacare will be after this weekend. Um, and then I think it was uh, the Grabaka hitman, who is not Kazuo Masaki, uh, Sherdog contributor Ian Robinson, fantastic man, an essential follow on Twitter. Um, I believe he quote tweeted, it was like, meanwhile, World Series of Fighting are stripping their offices for copper piping or something like that. And I just like, it was one of those, it was one of those jokes that like, even though it hits you and you're like, that's funny, you don't even laugh because you're just like, yeah, World Series of Fighting is a complete farce and a grift. I don't know if you saw this in breaking news here uh, on the Share Dog Radio Network, the ABC has uh, convened and had an emergency session and, and has made a new recommendation. Have you heard this? <laughs> Punchline me. The recommendation is that all uh, production teams that are covering a mixed martial arts event have this anytime a referee needs to make a decision. <laughs> Dude, yakety sacks. Yakety sacks should just play during almost every MMA fight. What's happening? Well, he was down. No, 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 no. He wasn't down. It was his fingertip. Well, let's look at the replay. No, you can't look at the replay. No, we can look at the replay. Okay, no contest. No, no, no decision. No, no, technical draw. Uh, whatever you want to do. It's over. It's done. All right, thank you. Bye. Look, yeah, Yakety Sack second, should be uh, non-negotiable. During the second round, I was looking at Weidman, and I was saying to my wife, all Weidman does is take damage. Like, even in the first round, when everybody was like, he had a great round. It was like, uh, yeah, he did some, you know, kind of pathetic takedowns that took all his energy away where he scored no damage and okay, kind of got one, lumped one up thing, doing the one takedowns. Thing, one thing, real quick, I do want to give a shout-out because it'll be, uh, you know, when you screw up a particular technique, people remember forever. Like, people, last week, round table, people still make fun of Chris Weidman's wheel kick attempt against Luke Rockhold and probably will to the day he dies. That's it. The, the, the first takedown he hits on Musasi, the snatch single, sublime. Sakuraba-esque. Weidman's first takedown in that fight was actually just, I mean, Musasi's obviously not the best defensive wrestler in the world, but if you're talking about like a great snatch single in a mixed martial arts fight, that's probably going to be the one that comes to mind for me uh, other than every Sakuraba takedown. Like, Weidman, Weidman's first takedown was actually brilliant. But no, I, Paul, I think the point stands. Um, this is one of the reasons why I, I favored Musasi in the fight and had that kind of gut feeling. And I think it was um, it, me and Connor Rebush both talked about it on the roundtable leading into it. Weidman, when he's going backwards, is just 
he's less than half the fighter. He is just he, he is a pressure fighter. He excels when he's going forward, but when he is attacked, like like honestly, I think it's I think it's incontrovertible at this point in time that the best way to beat Chris Weidman is to put it on him. Like you, like you just have to make him go backwards because he shells up. He's not a counter oriented guy at all. Like his, his, the best offense he's going to get out of going backwards is like a defensive takedown. That, that is, that is it. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to like retroactively try to like impugn his two wins since I thought he was going to be Anderson Silva both times. But it does it does make me wonder seeing like Weidman's last three losses, if if Anderson's like if Anderson Silva was a different sort of fighter, if he if, if Anderson Silva was Vanderlei Silva, dude, he may have killed Weidman in the first fight in less than five minutes. Like he is he is just astronomically poorer as a fighter going backwards. And it's not like he gets he gets hit a lot. He stops attacking. He can't really counter with his strikes. It, it's it's just night and day how much more effective he is when he's the one going forward. And every time Musasi stopped a takedown and, and got in those bursts, like Musasi had the right idea when he in round two when he actually hit Weidman and hurt him and just ran at him and unloaded that Vanderlei Silva type combo. That is how you have to approach this guy. He is I, it's it is night and day. There's just the Chris Weidman who go, walks backwards versus the Chris Weidman who walks forwards, they are completely different fighters. And the one who goes backwards is access TV fodder, and the one who walks forward is a legend. Do you know when Weidman started to take that direct step backward? Is, is there a seminal moment where that started to persist? Uh, I don't know. And the thing with Weidman, too, is, like, it, it's not even just that, like, he starts walking backwards. It's like... It's when he's. It's basically when he stops moving forward. Like when he start when he starts circling and just standing there. Like that's when Musashi started opening up on him. Yeah. You know, uh, if you look at a couple middleweights, uh, Weidman, Machida have taken an incredible amount of damage in their last three fights. Last three like KO stoppages, crazy amount of damages. Those two guys, scary amount, career worth of damages. Only it seems like, truly, the only other way that seems to have taken that much damage also in the last three or four fights is Bisping. Somehow he keeps going forward, <laughs> truly. Bisping has taken almost the same amount of damage, but yet with the one eye, I mean, he's like the old wolf with the one eye, the three legs, and just still barely hanging on just because he knows the territory better or something, man. I mean, good. give credit to Bisping. And I'm so glad he's not fighting Romero. That's like, talk about finishing off the career with a nail in the coffin. Thank goodness. Please fight GSP, uh, win, lose, or draw compared to the Romero fight. In fairness, Yoel Romero does seem like exactly the kind of opponent that in, in Bisping's odds and death-defying uh, run here, it does seem like the kind of opponent where it would be like the Anderson fight all over again. Like, he gets knocked out at the end of a round and then somehow ends up winning a decision. Yeah, I, I don't know how... I'm, you know, happy for Bisping, seriously, because uh, I was really never a fan until his serious radio show, and then I was a fan, and then after hearing his radio show for a while, I'm less of a fan, but uh, I do love Bisping. I'm one of just, you know, the shock of the moment. I love upsets. I hear for the underdog all the time. Uh, yeah, I was going to Trader Joe's, and the cashier was like, you like UFC? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, I think AJ's got it. Anthony Johnson got it this weekend. 
And I was like, nah, man, that guy's a domestic violence guy. I can't cheer for him, period. And he was like, no way. I had no idea. It's like nobody knows about this stuff. Anthony Johnson fought that fight the way my wife likes to have sex. You know, like she doesn't want to be there. Just supposed to be over with as quick as possible. Ready for it to be finished. It's terrible performance every time. That that performance, uh, knowing now what we know, knowing that his team, like knowing that he basically said he was going to retire either way, that Dana White knew ahead of time, and they just didn't broadcast it because they didn't want to track from the fight, and then seeing just the un unfathomable. I don't even want to call it a strategy. Like literally, what is does strategy have an antonym? Is there an opposite of strategy? Is there is there I, a I word have- that just describes just Showing, showing showing up and rather than having a militaristic battle plan, you just have a paper bag filled with your own vomit and shit. That would be pretty much it was on. It is hard for me to, to instantly recall a fight at this level. The only thing I could come up with was and this is a title fight. The one I was about to compare it to is not even a title fight. The only thing I can think of in terms of a like a high level MMA main event where a fighter who, dude, Anthony Johnson entered the fight as a favorite because of the way the betting lines moved. The way that he fought, like the only thing I could think of is Rory McDonald trying to do his Mazakazu and Minari impression against Stephen Thompson, which is possibly the worst big fight strategy I've ever seen, and that went 25 minutes. This, though, no. it, 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 I, I just don't know what to say. Beta. I mean, Beta versus dude, Johnson. He, that is... <laughs> Okay. I'm still paying Bader for it. was clearly me. scared, though. About that, we, but look, we've made fun of is, Paul. We've made fun of the stoppage in the past. Both of you. Jeez, stop. One of you. Who's talking? Breen or Paul? Go, Paul. Sorry about that, guys. So, yeah, uh, I finally recovered from that Bader bet. But, yeah, look, I had three bets on DC. I'm not kidding. I had a bet on DC to finish, to some way or another, to DC to finish. I had a bet on DC second round submission. I had a bet on DC third round submission, so I hit two out of three. But man, like it was all for DC. I had no faith in Anthony Johnson the whole week or two week or three week up to it, where he's just like, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Or he just it seemed like he did not care, did not want to be there. It was really uh, I didn't know he was going to retire, but I had a lot of faith in DC uh, just wanting it more and having more heart. You know, that's no question. How about we talk a little bit about the upcoming fights coming up this weekend? Oh, oh, there's fights this weekend? Oh, really? Is Seriously? It, is it this weekend? I know, I know that yeah. Demetrius Johnson trying to tie Anderson Silva's UFC title defense record doesn't necessarily get people excited when it's Wilson Hayes. That said, this card is a banger. I'm a female mixed martial arts fan, so I love the Michelle Waterson versus Nama Yunus fight. I kind of think... Uh, uh, Waterson is like fully ripened and Nama Yunus is not fully ripened. So it's just a matter of who's crossing at what path. You know what I mean? Like as a fully developed pro- you know, person, you think Nama Yunus has a higher ceiling, but at the same time, just being 30, being mature, being a champion before, I'm kind of feeling uh, Waterson, although I feel like Nama Yunus has all the tools and range and height and body type to beat uh, Waterson. Interesting. Like, obviously, Michelle Waterston, uh, when her biggest wins 
I don't want to call them like upsets, but when her biggest wins have come when she pulls, it's it's like the Jessica Penny fight, the way she did Paige Van Zandt dirty. She like she gets a position and she's, I mean, dude, she's the karate hottie. So you think like, oh, she's gonna stand up. Her best skills are as an offensively gifted grappler with a knack for finishing. Like that, that is what that's really the straw that stirs Michelle Watterson's drink. And that said. I agree with the fact that like Rose Namajunas, who like who knows how long it will take and and if ever she will reach kind of like the potential that we all kind of foist upon her and just like oh she could be the best in so many years who knows if she gets there but what she has now I think it's a good stylistic pairing for Michelle Watterson on the feet there's there's no reason for Namajunas to be scared she can go she can attack however she wants score that way. I'm not saying that she'll just handily beat Michelle Watterson if they have a striking battle, but Namahunas doesn't have, I don't think she has to have the fear of being taken down because even though Watterson's a good grappler and that's kind of how she makes her bones, Rose Namahunas is an overwhelmingly gifted scrambler. And because of just how squirmy and scrambly she is, her ability to do damage on the ground, I think inevitably we're going to hit the floor and I don't think she's going to finish Michelle Watterson, but I think she will have a ton of opportunities to get dominant positions because she's so good in the scramble. And despite the karate hottie nickname, Michelle Watterson's best work still comes on the ground. So I think it's a close competitive fight, but I favor Rose Namajunas just because her best skill, the, the, like, I, I feel like she's insulated from some of the danger that Michelle Watterson presents to other women. And her best skill is something I think that, that plays well against Watterson, but no, it's a, it's an incredible pairing. And even, even the, the women's fight on the other end of the card, Caitlin Vieira and Ashley Evans Smith is an awesome fight. Like, yes, Ashley this... Evans Smith is uh, underrated. I like her. And then also, uh, you're forgetting Michelle Watterson, her title defense in Invicta against, uh, uh, Japanese star, the mate. So Kanzuki age unknown. That was great. <laughs> How dare you? Also, this this uh, this Fox card, uh, Tom Duquesnoy from France makes his debut. Possible, possible future UFC bantamweight champion. You got some flyweight action. Aljamain Sterling Tanquino Mendez is on your undercard. Hanada Moicano and Jeremy Stevens is an awesome pairing. Like this is this is a top to bottom <laughs> damn good card. This is Aljo this is one cannot. of the best Fox cards they've ever done. Aljo cannot get any kind of placement. I'm surprised he's not on the face, uh, the Facebook prelims for this one right now. Not even the uh, fight pass prelims. I'm, you know, they don't give him any shine. Good lord. <laughs> that's actually a good joke. They take it all the way back. They put him on Fuel TV. Yeah, no, I'm not. That, they probably put him on Bellator fight cards. They're just like, fuck it, we'll just pay his contract. And you're gonna <laughs> go. If you're gonna swear, you gotta go. Sorry, he's gone. R.I.P. Paul. You'll be missed. Thanks for the call as always. TJ DeSantis, can I hear that funky sound? Oh, no. I'm not ready for that yet. You you literally were just like, can we get out like a minute early? I'm, I'm working. I'm working. Man, I, got, I got four minutes early. Hold on. Well, but I'm going to talk. You know what I mean? Like, no, I know. Like, I know. I'm just multitasking like, do and not doing it very well. you want to at 329? Maybe. I don't know. Clearly. <laughs> that's, there that's we go. Like a, like, yeah. Sorry. All right, what's inside Jordan Breen's Bank Bank? I'll tell you right now. It's the video I mentioned earlier of the Spectrum child making Krabby Patties. Oh, Lord. Probably against his parents' wishes. Um, I'm going to find it. I'm going to put it on Twitter. I'm going to make TJ watch it. And we're all going to have fun. Uh, 
because the best cartoon is Bulba Sponge. Also, we haven't had a – there's multiple – Brazilian MMA fighter's nickname, Bob Esponja. However, do you know, TJ, we have had one Brazilian SpongeBob SquarePants crossover in the UFC already. I can't think of it. Ednaldo Oliveira, who fought at 205, he's a heavyweight and a 205er, his nickname, Lula Molusco, mm-hmm. um, is the name of Squidward in SpongeBob SquarePants. I think Lula Molusco, it literally means like mollusk. It can like refer to like any number of squids. But his his name in the show in Portuguese is Lula Molusco. So we've already had we've already had one SpongeBob character in the octagon. We just we need to get Bob Esponja himself. Done. Let's do it. <laughs> Will you be his All Patrick right. though? It's time for me to get out of here. Go enjoy a Krabby Patty or two. Uh, watch a Bulba Esponja. So as always, love letters, credit card numbers, mail bombs. They go to jbreen at suredog.com. If there are 140 characters or less, get me on Twitter at Jordan Breen, J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N. TJ DeSantis, programming notes, my good man. What's uh, coming up on yes. We're off tomorrow, but uh, the doggy bag going to be here on Friday. Myself and Anthony Walker live on YouTube as well as a Suredog Radio Network. And then later that day, myself and Mike Fridley for another edition of B-Town. Plus, don't forget the Suredog Radio Network roundtable. Getting you ready for Demetrius Johnson and Wilson Hayes coming up on oh, yeah, Saturday night. I have to do night. that tonight. I'm glad you reminded mm, me. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and then uh, we got beaten after the bell on Saturday night, which you can also watch uh, on YouTube. And uh, listen, live on the Sure Dog Radio Network. So the SRN, firmly the global authority in mixed martial arts podcast. Do it. Listen to all those things, especially the roundtable that TJ just reminded me that I have to tape tonight. And for some reason, that doesn't suit your fancy and you just want to go on a bender for the next 166 and a half hours, that's fine. Come back next Wednesday and I'll sort you out right back here with the JBS on the Sure Dog Radio Network. Peace. Peace. The Jordan Breen Show is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of the Sure Dog Radio Network. Its content is intended for private use only. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.